0: Ask Me Another is coming to North Carolina to quiz you and our VIP guest, John Darneil from the Mountain Goats. Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, November 19th at the Carolina Theater in Durham. For tickets, go to wunc.org under events.
1: From NPR and WNYC, live from New York Comic Con Super Week, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. Here
0: is your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Fantasy, sci-fi, horror, our very important puzzler is a master of all of those genres. From his novels, Coraline and The Ocean at the End of the Lane, to his landmark comic book series, Sandman, everything this guy touches turns to gold. Even a commencement speech he gave went viral and then turned into a book called Make Good Art, the premise being that bad things are going to happen in life, but as an artist, your job is to make good art. Easy for him to say. He's amazing. My book would be called Hey, At Least You Tried. (laughs) He's captivated us with his words and his imagination. Our VIP is Neil Gaiman. Let's get started with our first two contestants, Bridget Oliveri and Ryan Wichkowski. Now, Bridget and Ryan, I know something about you, which is that you are about to get married.
2: That's the thing yeah. that's happening. Yeah, yeah. We are doing that.
0: <laughs> Bridget, what's some advice you've been given?
2: I think the best advice that I'm realizing now is my um, aunt, who's in the audience, told us to: um, here's $5,000, just elope, just. <laughs> Just do that. Just avoid the whole... Just avoid the whole thing. And a year later, that was some really, really good advice. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's stressful putting together these events, right? Yeah. I am not the biggest party planner. Um, it's a disaster. Good <laughs> <laughs> words to start with. Let's start there.
0: You know what? I love it when people are just dead honest on the stage. <laughs> Ryan, it, does it, is it a disaster? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But we have a great game. This game is called 300 Spartans. Can't be wrong. We don't have 300 Spartans, but we do have something even better. Our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton.
1: No pressure. I will try to be as good as 300 Spartans. This game was inspired by the action movie 300, which was based on a graphic novel by Frank Miller. And in both the book and the film, King Leonidas of Sparta deals with war messengers from the kingdom of Persia by kicking them into a well and yelling this. This is Sparta! He's very angry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at the end of that clip, it's not like things all worked out. No. (laughs) There's that sound of like, uh uh-oh. So in this game, all the answers will rhyme, or sort of rhyme, (laughs) with Sparta. Okay, and of course, you have to give us your best Spartan yell. For example, if I said this digital encyclopedia was published by Microsoft until 2009... You would say, this is Encarta! (laughs) (laughs) I know. Does that sound like we're talking about a gramophone and like it sounds like the encyclopedia on a disc that you would buy? That's right. Ah.
1: After that, you would push Jimmy Wales into a well. (laughs) (laughs) He's the founder of Wikipedia.
0: The winner will move on to our Ask Me One More final round at the end of the show. Remember, sort of rhyme. Established over 1,500 years ago, it's the capital and largest city of Indonesia. Bridget.
2: That is Jakarta?
0: (laughs) 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 It's like you're a Spartan from the town over. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you said that is Jakarta... You can also say this is Jakarta. Either way, you're right.
2: <laughs> Over there, it's Jakarta.
1: The name for this type of cheese, made from whey, means recooked in Italian. Just translate from the Italian, and you'll have the answer. Bridget.
2: So this is
0: ricotta. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. This document signed by King John of England in 1215 is one of the landmarks of constitutional law.
3: Ryan. Uh, this is the Magna Carta.
0: All right, Spartan, I want to hear it from you.
3: <laughs> this is the Magna Carta. Yes,
0: it is!
1: It's the title of a book by Hermann Hess and the first name of the Indian prince who had found Buddhism. Bridget
2: this is Siddhartha
0: it sure is you're right are you laughing at the sort of rhyme Uh, maybe maybe
2: (laughs) I'm I'm sort of laughing at the sort of are you
0: laughing at Buddhism
2: (laughs) Buddhism is no laughing matter. I
1: agree they're fine with that they don't care
0: (laughs) I know Siddhartha couldn't even gloat that he founded it In Catholicism, there are marks resembling Jesus' wounds from the crucifixion. Ryan. This is stigmata.
2: Yes. <laughs> Way to go, Cana. Yeah.
1: In humans, it's the main artery that carries blood from the left ventricle of the heart to the major organs. Bridget.
2: This would be really sad if I didn't get it. This is the aorta.
1: That's right.
0: Why would that be sad if you didn't get it? Kind of a doctor and stuff. Kind of? (laughs)
4: Uh,
0: Not for nothing, but I'd be looking for a more confident physician. (laughs) I was looking.
1: Me too. Can you describe your symptoms or whatever?
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's pediatrics. That's how the teenagers talk anyway. I'm like on their level.
0: Okay, this is your last question. According to the title of a novel by Lauren Weisberger, the devil wears clothes from this fashion house. Ryan. This is Prada. Yes, exactly. Let's go to our puzzle guru, Art Chung, and find out
5: how did our soon-to-be-married contestants do? I'm going to have to admit they weren't the most inspiring Spartans of all time, (laughs) but Bridget, congratulations. You're moving on to our Ask Me One More final round.
0: Say hello to our next contestants, Julia Schultz and Lissa Mendel. All right, have you, either of you, ever borrowed something that you have never given back, Julia? Oh my! Well, uh, I am a librarian. Oh boy. <laughs> So I have to confess that one of my formative uh, things was when I was in second grade or maybe first grade and I went to a UU church and I, they, I found this book in their library and I read it and I never returned it. What's the, the book? What is the book? <laughs> I can't even remember. <laughs> but I felt guilty about the book all the way through until this day. <laughs> I absolve you. Thank you. There you go. Whew, what a relief. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good. It's okay. I didn't know that you had to take them out for a really long time. Uh, Lissa, how about you? Uh, I borrowed my Northwestern tuition from my parents. Oh. <laughs> and they are never getting that back. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh, borrowed something like that from uh, someone else. Yes, I borrowed mine from the government. They haven't received that either. This round is called something borrowed. Many English words are called loan words because they are words borrowed from other languages. So we'll give you a clue with a language of origin and a literal English translation, and you tell us the familiar word. Let's go to our puzzle guru, Our Chung, for an example.
5: So if we said Japanese for empty orchestra, you might enjoy performing it in a bar with your friends, that would be karaoke.
0: Yep. Yep. Ah. Yes, it is. (laughs) Ring in when you know the answer. If you're amused by the misfortunes of others, you're experiencing this German word for damage joy. Lissa. Schadenfreude.
2: Yeah! (laughs) My favorite.
0: If your life feels like it's reached a dead end, your house may be located in one of these, French for bottom of the bag. Lissa. Cul-de-sac? Cul-de-sac, yeah! Make no mistake. This early form of a shotgun comes from the Dutch word for thunder gun. Julia, blunderbuss. Blunderbuss is correct. Whoa, I had no idea. Yeah, it's like a uh, it's like a bootcut firearm. <laughs> nice, appropriate for the 70s. Yeah, yeah, really. It was a 70s 18, fashion 70s. thing. This creature's name comes from the Afrikaans for earth pig, perhaps because it digs in the ground and makes a pig of itself, scarfing up ants and termites. ant Anteater? No. <laughs> Anteater is not borrowed from another language. Julia? So it wouldn't be groundhog. We can't do process of elimination, but that's interesting. <laughs> yeah.
5: Would you like to say groundhog? Uh, uh, yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> Groundhog is not correct. <laughs> Tapir.
5: We were thinking of hints like Cerebus is one of them. Cerebus?
0: <laughs>
5: or Arthur. Mythological? <laughs> yeah, cartoons. Oh, my uh, God. It's a uh, aardvark. Right, yes, oh.
0: that. Oh. An extensive variety of tasty dishes or a wide range of choices metaphorically can be found on one of these from the Swedish for sandwich table. Julia. Smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. Yes. You thought Americans had big portions, right? A sandwich table. Sounds amazing. This Italian word for beverage means little hood. Referring to the hood worn by a certain order of friars, presumably jittery from drinking lots of espresso. Yeah. Italian word, little hood. I Alyssa. know this is French, but I'm going to say aperitif anyway. Aperitif, that is lovely. Not correct, but I like it. <laughs> Julie, would you like to. Coffee? <laughs> uh, nope. But uh, Some deep pulse. Yeah, some deep good. pulse.
5: Uh, the answer was cappuccino.
0: Oh, uh, Now that's Italian. That's Italian. Last clue. You might practice this ancient system of arranging your living space from the Chinese words for the elements wind-water. Julia. Feng Shui. Feng Shui is correct. (laughs) Hey, puzzle guru Archung.
5: Hey, Afira. How did our contestants do? They both did great. It was a close game, and Julia is our winner. Congratulations. (laughs) Coming
0: up, we'll talk to our VIP writer, Neil Gaiman, about the dark corners of his imagination. So stay tuned. I'm Ophira Eisberg, and this is NPR's Ask Me Another.
4: Oh, up this,
0: this episode of Ask Me Another is brought to you by Trunk Club. I would love to have a personal stylist. That would be amazing. But you know who really needs it? Our house musician, Jonathan Colton. And guys in general, you need it. Trunk Club is the answer. Guys, you get matched with a personal stylist who gets to know the kind of things you like and looked good in, and they handpick a selection of clothes just for you. They pack it in a trunk, send it to your home, you keep what you like, you send back the rest, Shipping is free and there is no monthly obligation. So what do you have to lose except for that t-shirt with the holes in it? Just check out Trunk Club at trunkclub.com slash ask. Thank you so much for listening to Ask Me Another. There are some other great NPR podcasts that you should check out, like Snap Judgment, hosted by the wonderful Glenn Washington. Okay, so you know, we all have an instinct, a homing signal, And even when we try to ignore it, it drives us back to the place where everything got started. That, my friends, is a Snap story. These are stories that connect, they captivate, and they invite you to listen close. So check it out. Snap Judgment. Find it on iTunes under podcasts. You're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me is our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, Art Chung. But now, let's welcome our very important puzzler, Neil Gaiman. I read your most recent novel, which I love, The Ocean at the End of the Lane. Uh, I have to admit that I found it pretty scary at times. I couldn't read it late at night alone.
3: Do you normally read books late at night alone?
0: Yes, I do. (laughs)
3: And this one you didn't.
0: I I had to read it during the day.
3: I was going to say, I just wondered if you had like five people in. You were calling friends. I'm I'm reading. Please just come and be with me.
0: Yes, I had a support group. (laughs) But I love the fact that this novel started off as something you wrote for your wife, Amanda Palmer. She was away in Australia and you wanted to do something to make you feel closer.
3: It was meant to be a sort of weird combination of romantic gesture and just love letter. Um, she was off making an album, and I was in Florida, <laughs> and uh, I thought, I'll, I'll send her a short story. But it was, it was really interesting. Um, I'd never written something that sort of peculiarly personal before, had no idea while I was writing it what it was. It was only when I finished typing it out and did the word count that I sent a rather apologetic email to my editors saying I appear to have written a novel that nobody wanted um,
0: <laughs> and they and, said yes we want it. and they
3: went we want it
0: yes so I love this idea that you wrote this with your wife in mind uh, Coraline which has a female protagonist but that also really appealed to women and girls and Sandman series uh, was known to bring in a lot of female readers Do you ever think of writing for a female audience?
3: Well, Caroline was very specifically written for my daughters. Oh. Um, I started it for Holly, who at the time was about four or five years old and would come home from kindergarten, climb on my lap and start dictating these nightmarish stories (laughs) to me in in which, you know, um, her mother would be replaced by an evil witch who would force her to stay in the basement with the dead children. And I just thought this stuff was so cool. So I, <laughs> um, you know, I, I went down to my local bookshop and said, "What have you got in the way of horror for little kids?" And they looked at me. Um, so I, I went away and, and wrote her Caroline, so that she would have a book that was full with the kind of stuff that she liked. Um, with Sandman, I was just trying to write it for people.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, I put lots of women in it, and doing the things that women do, and normally wearing the kind of clothes that women wear, and having the kind of bodies that women have, because I thought, you know, women in comics, how, how, how novel. Um, <laughs> yes. And I, I didn't realize how peculiar it was until I'd go to comic conventions, and nice, large gentlemen in stained t-shirts... <laughs> would come up to me and take my hand and start pumping it and saying, you brought women into my store. (laughs) i got to thank you. And, and, you know, the urge was always to say, well, if you sweep it, they'll come back. Neil,
0: we're going to subject you to your own Ask Me Another Challenge a little later in the show. But right now, you're going to help us out with a game. So let's bring on our contestant, Serene Lim. Hi, Serene. Hi, Ophira. Now, are you familiar with Neil Gaiman's work? Yes, um, not
2: familiar to a stalkerish extent. (laughs) Is that how it always
3: starts, Neil? Is that the first line they always feed you? They, they always say that, and then you find them hanging around in the attic.
0: <laughs> this game is called It's a Neil Game in Universe. We just live in it. Which I think that is a great universe to live in. Neil has created some of the most extraordinary, peculiar, and eccentric characters that have ever graced the page and screen. So Neil is going to read descriptions of some characters, and you have to tell us Is this a character from one of his books or stories, or did our writers make it up? And remember, if you get it wrong, Neil is right beside you, judging you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Are
3: you ready? I I will forgive you. It's them.
2: I know. (laughs) I'm sorry.
3: (laughs) Miss April Spink and Miss Miriam Forcible. Two elderly women who tell tales of their former lives performing in the theatre, but in an alternate reality are two beautiful young ladies who perform in the theatre for dogs.
2: Hmm. <laughs> you made it up.
3: It's real, they from <gasps> Caroline.
2: See? I told you I'm not a stalker. It's
3: okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you just proved your case. Good job. <laughs> the Slear. An ancient, very large, snake-like creature with three heads and a body composed of creepy bits and bobs, distorted faces of the dead, the corpses of various species—that sort of thing.
2: Well, I know this very well. It's from the Graveyard Book.
0: Yes. It is indeed. Were you a dark child, Neil? You were describing that your daughter came to we with I, all these stories. I'm not
3: sure. I was a booky child. You were I was. Child. I was much more booky than dark. I was the kind of child. Where, where my parents would frisk me before family events and find the book and lock it in the car. Um, and then be disappointed when, somewhere at the event, I would find a book and just sit under a table <laughs> where nobody could get me and, and go back into bookland.
0: So, yes, a dark child.
3: <laughs> Dr. Wainscott and Sootsby a palsied phrenologist and his mute assistant, whose primary duty is to collect specimens of Londoners' bad memories. On the weekends, they play trombone for passers-by in Covent Garden.
2: Mm, well... I think you made it up.
3: It is from a novel called Dusk Gardens, which was made up by the writers Uh. of this show. I just thought it amusing that your, your writers came up with the name Dusk Gardens, which is almost impossible to say without hawking on somebody. I would never call a book Dusk Gardens because booksellers gobbed on all over America would be complaining. Canticle Foster, a short squat man who carries a white cane and who literally sings for his supper. Any food he croons about will magically appear. He dislikes boats.
2: He dislikes boats? Do you dislike boats?
3: I quite like boats.
2: Then I think it's made up.
3: It is from the BBC TV production Left Hand Road, which again was made up completely. (laughs) And our last one. Merv Pumpkinhead, a wisecracking, pumpkin-headed man of rude disposition who performs odd jobs and oversees construction tasks, often seen smoking a cigar.
2: I don't find this character familiar at all. I would say, you think, wrote think again. it. Think again. You wrote it.
3: Oh. Ah, that was good. Yeah. That, was, that was edging off one way and then veering back.
2: Yeah. I've learned my lesson.
3: And, uh, and you would be right head is in Sandman
0: well done Sven. Congratulations. Yay! and your prize is you get an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube that has been autographed by the one and only Neil Gaiman Yay! thank you so much for helping out and Neil we will see you in the puzzle hot seat a little later in the show For a game called Heroic Tunes, let's welcome Brendan Gillett and Andrea Surumi! So we're at Comic-Con Super Week, so obviously we need to talk about superheroes. Jonathan, if you had superpowers, would you use them for good or evil?
1: I think I would probably use them for good. When I play Grand Theft Auto, I feel bad (laughs) committing crimes. That's the whole point of that game, and I feel bad doing it, so I think probably I would use them for good, in spite of every intention to be bad. I'm too nice. Yeah,
0: you're a softie. Andrea? Um, Evil. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What kind of evil?
2: Um, It would be for two reasons, especially because my superpower would be being obvious and incompetent. (laughs) And the reason would be I think evil is a good way of uniting people to rise
0: up for good. Oh, so you would basically sacrifice yourself. I would just be a real evil idiot. Ah. <laughs> well, I know a lot of places you'd fit in. Um, Brendan. Uh,
1: I would use mine for good. Uh, my answer is not nearly as complex.
0: I know, that was very thought I know, that's out. like
1: very Watchmen, like Ozymandias, and, you know, uniting people through killing them. <laughs> that's good. I'm not quite there. Um, my superpower would be that my torso could be on fire while my hands were ice which is about three degrees away from my current body temperature distribution at all times. And I guess it would be good, but I'd probably just end up going into sports medicine. (laughs) So contestants, what we are doing here is a music game. We have rewritten the lyrics to that classic song, Superman, parentheses, It's Not Easy, by Five for Fighting. So that now the song is about other famous comic book heroes. So just ring in and tell us which heroes I'm singing about.
4: Nick Cage played me twice. I can't get much higher. I love motorbikes. And my head's on fire.
1: Brandon, Ghost Rider.
0: Ghost Rider is the right answer.
1: Good superhero, bad movies.
0: Bad movies, but yeah, that's your kind of guy, right?
1: No, because he's got the head, I'm the torso.
0: Okay, got it, yes. Yeah. I bet you
1: guys get confused with each other all His the time, His head's also though, right? a skull. Yeah, right. Yeah. You just have, have a skin. regular torso that's on fire. Right. You get me.
4: I scare some people off With hooves and bright red skin Even with filed down horns Life is hard for this demon.
1: Andrea. It's Hellboy. It is
0: Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs>
5: He's, the best. He's the
0: best. He's the best. Best catchphrase of all time, I think. He's the best. Uh, well, that's a good one, too. <laughs> No, I just like that he goes, ah, oh, crap. Yeah, well, that's exactly. like, I totally relate to that one. I'm like, You're I, like, right.
1: I like the idea that Andrea's catchphrase is, Andrew's catchphrases, he's the best. She's
0: <laughs> yeah. going around saying that
1: all the time to everybody.
0: Right, just a positive. That's that guy, your... he's the best. And everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, Andrea. <laughs> I'm only a man
4: in a silly blue cape. Got no powers but real good shape i may be disturbed i watch my folks die even play boys have morbid side and it's not easy to be
1: me brandon batman batman is correct also bruce wayne because he touched on the parents and the money so both egos both egos, yeah. Oh, we're you- not, yeah. I, I guess we should have specified which ego we were looking for. But you got it. You got it right anyway.
4: Look up in the sky. That lightning is from me. I've got hair of white. And I look like Halle Berry.
1: Andrea. That's Storm. Storm is right.
4: I'm smart and I'm blue, but don't be alarmed. Your atoms will remain unharmed. I see throughout time and teleport too. Even out on Mars, I still watch you. It's pretty easy to be me.
1: Brendan. Dr. Manhattan. Yes! Art Chung, how did our contestants do? It's
5: pretty clear Brendan was on fire because he's moving on <laughs> to the final round.
0: Let's say hello to our next contestants, Ken Rosin and Kara Dolan. Ken, you have a very odd tendency, which you have a compulsion to need to figure out what celebrity people look like. I don't know if...
1: It's an annoying tendency, it's and an anno- it's one of these things that comes to me. Okay. It's, um, it's, it's a challenge to keep my mouth shut.
0: All right. Jonathan Colton.
1: Oh, the Cowardly Lion. <laughs>
0: I
2: guess that
1: counts as a celebrity, yeah.
0: Carrie, do people tell you anyone specific? Well, uh, I changed through the ages. When I, was a, when I was younger, I was Pippi Longstocking. Oh, oh I don't see rates. that, though. But no. uh, in high school, I graduated to Janis Joplin. <laughs> Janis Joplin is awesome. That's Janis a good Joplin one. Joplin would
1: be good. You need the glasses, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this round is called One Letter Away from Fame. Uh, every celebrity knows that one little thing can change her or his career drastically, like a little forgotten sex tape. It's all different. No, it turns out if you take even a single letter away from a celebrity's name, they become something completely different. So let's go to our puzzle guru, Archung, for an example.
5: So, Fira, if I said the star of World War Z lost a letter in his first name, he'd become a piece of lingerie because his name would be Bra Pitt.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, yep.
1: All right, here we go.
0: If this Shawshank Redemption actor lost a letter in his first name, he'd turn into a musical instrument. Ken.
3: Organ Freeman.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) If this Iron Lady actress lost a letter in her last name, she would become a bacterium that causes a scratchy throat. Scratchy throat. Ken.
3: Meryl Strep.
1: That's right. Yeah. Her full name is actually Meryl Streptococcus B. <laughs> if the creator of Grey's Anatomy and Scandal lost a letter in her first name, she'd become a Japanese car maker. <laughs> Ken. Honda Rhymes. That's right.
0: <laughs> Shonda Rhymes.
1: Shonda Rhymes, that's right.
0: If this star of gravity and up in the air lost a letter in his last name, he'd just sound crazy. Kara. George Looney. George
1: Looney! If the Prince of Bel-Air lost a letter in his last name, he'd sound like someone who's gone over to the dark side of the Force. Kara. Will Sith.
0: Yeah! I've got to get my geek on. That's funny.
4: <laughs> you, you don't sound very convincing when you say that.
1: Art, Art Chung, what is
4: going on? What happened in that
5: guy? Wow, I don't know. Uh, the guy who looks a lot like Gene Hackman won. So congratulations.
0: <laughs> Coming up, we'll put fantasy author Neil Gaiman in the puzzle hot seat for a game he would have aced. When he was nine years old. So stay tuned. This is Ask Me Another from NPR.
4: Superman.
1: And I know A big thank you to one of our sponsors, Match.com. Number one in dates, relationships, and marriages. They have redefined the way that you can connect with people you want to meet, both online and offline. With nationwide events and the ability to search and communicate with other members, it's no surprise that every year, hundreds of thousands of people find love on Match. And for our podcast listeners, Match is offering the opportunity to try out Match.com for seven days completely free. Just go to TryMatch.com to get started with your seven days free today.
0: Welcome back to Ask Me Another NPR and WNYC's Hour of Trivia, Puzzles, and Word Games. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me is our one-man house band, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, Art Chung. Coming up, we've got a creepy quiz for our VIP, Neil Gaiman, about Gilbert and Sullivan. But first, let's meet our next two contestants, Ty Lazowskis and Casey Zakroff. Casey, you are obsessed with squid. I also love squid, but you study it for... I do, for
5: my PhD. For
0: your PhD! (laughs) Squid, I, I need a squid fun fact.
5: Squid fun fact. So squid can actually differentially control the color of their bodies so that they can communicate different messages to the other squid on either side of them. So, they could say, make one side of their body dark and the other side of their body splotchy so they can communicate different messages oh, as they swim alongside each other.
0: Right. They're two faced. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That is cool. Ty, you work at uh, National Geographic TV. Yeah. In a, at, for a cool show.
2: Yeah. Um, I work on a show called Brain Games in the art department. So, recently I was late to one of my friends' going away parties because I was like, I need to figure out how to make this magic chocolate puzzle work. I'll be late. I'm sorry. So that's what being in the art department is like, sad, lonely.
0: So in this game, what we've done is we've mashed up names of fictional, comic, sci-fi, and fantasy characters with a medical disease or condition. (laughs) It's like a hypochondriac's Comic-Con.
5: I'm not that kind of biologist.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you have to tell us the name of the made-up ailments.
5: Let's go to our puzzle guru, Archung, for an example. So if we said, this beloved robot caught a lung disease riding outside Luke Skywalker's X-Wing fighter, you'd say, r 2 d 2 tuberculosis. <laughs> that's exactly what you would say. Yeah.
1: That's what you would say, because oh, that's the right not. answer. And Do here that. is a hint. No. The, the name of the character will be first, followed by the disease or condition. That'll help you out a little bit, but probably not very much. not? <laughs> Good luck.
0: A certain Belgian comic character couldn't hear the barking of his dog Snowy because of that persistent ringing in his ears. Casey.
5: Tin tin Yes, exactly.
0: Tin Yes.
1: Rogue is actually happy that she can't touch her mentor's itchy red rash, though he claims it is just chafing from his wheelchair.
0: Casey. Professor eczema? That's right. <laughs> It's a good one, right? It's scary. Yeah, Solid. his danger room is just a itchy sweater.
5: <laughs> just, he hears all the thoughts of people judging him for the red skin.
0: <laughs> and he tries, go get me Neosporne. Yeah, that's on his <laughs> whole life. In this bit of racy Star Trek fan fiction, Deanna Troy picks up this sexually transmitted disease after a wild weekend with the members of Lieutenant Worf's race.
5: Casey, cling Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's bad. It's very bad. You do not want to get that.
0: I know you're horrified, right, Ty? You're horrified. I, was, I had nothing. I was like, red shirt syphilis. <laughs> I, don't, I had nothing. <laughs> the TARDIS may be bigger on the inside, but I can still hear its owner suffering from this form of pertussis.
5: Doctor whooping
1: Sorry, that just made my life a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You do have a TARDIS on your shirt. That's a little with a squid attacking it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keanu Reeves' character in The Matrix may have been the one, but those triple helpings of dessert sure didn't help his chronic weight problem.
2: Morpheobesity. Oh no, no no no. no. I'm <laughs> eh.
0: Um, eh. <laughs> Neo obesity.
1: obesity is correct.
0: All right, this is your last question. One of the reasons Dave wanted him to open the pod bay doors was this special kind of bad breath (laughs) exhibited by the Discovery One's onboard computer.
5: Casey. Halitosis. Exactly. Archung, how did our contestants do? That was one tough game. And Casey, well done. We'll see you in our final round.
0: Please welcome back our very important puzzler, Neil Gaiman. Neil, we asked two things from our VIPs. We asked them to tell us what kind of quiz they would like, and then we asked them to give us a prize that we will give the grand winner of the show. Now, your prize that you gave us is a pot of honey, but not just any honey.
3: No, it's honey from my hives. In the Midwest. Um, You're a beekeeper. I am a beekeeper. How long have you been a beekeeper? I've been a beekeeper since about 2007 when I read my first articles about colony collapse disorder and thought everybody should have a hobby that could kill them. And <laughs> so that was mine. And it looks
0: clear and quite beautiful.
3: It is very, very pretty summer honey.
0: Does it turn you-
3: Does it turn you young again? I could lie. (laughs) (laughs) Now, for your quiz, you
0: admitted an amazing fact to us that when you were nine, you won a newspaper quiz that was about Gilbert and Sullivan.
3: Yes, Art phoned me up and um, asked me strange personal questions. (laughs) And somewhere in there, I have no idea how it it came out, uh, I admitted to having the only competition I have ever won in my life, apart from getting three questions right on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they were true or false, and God, they were easy. Uh, Was actually, at the age of nine, winning the Gilbert and Sullivan competition in the local newspaper in Sussex, England.
0: What did you get? What was your prize?
3: My prize was two tickets to a local production of Patience. Ah. Um, in the local school, and I went along, and being a snotty little nine-year-old, I, I was not terribly impressed with the production. It wasn't up to...
0: <laughs> they were like two stars, by the way, yeah. two stars. All right, we'll see how much you remember about 19th century operettas. <laughs> now, if you get enough questions right here, Rebecca Miller of Louisville, Texas, is going to get an Ask Me Another Anagram T-shirt. You winning they are Someone else a prize. That's right
3: I'm sorry Rebecca
0: <laughs> <laughs> So
1: we're going to start with a little musical clue here I'm going to replace some words From what is probably the most famous Gilbert and Sullivan song The Major General Song Your job is to sing the correct
3: lyrics <laughs> Oh dear <God. laughs> Hang on uh, hang, hang, hang on You did you, you used the word sing there Yeah Yeah <laughs>
1: Whatever approximates that for you in your world, you can you can mumble them or or uh, it's fine. I'm not gonna hold I'll you I'm not gonna judge you to when you your singing, just your correctness.
3: Okay, go for it. All right.
1: <laughs> I know our mythic
4: history, King Arthur's answer paradox. I answer hard acrostics, I have a pretty taste for paradox. I quote in elegiacs all the crimes of helio In and conics I can floor peculiarities, parabolas. I can tell undoubted Raphael's from Gerardous of Zophonies I know the croaking chorus from the Frogs of Aristophanes. Then I can hum a fugue of which I've heard the music's dinner for And whistle all
3: the airs from that TV show Mary Tyler Moore <laughs> And whistle all the airs from that infernal nonsense pin-a-four
0: Yeah! <laughs> Lovely! And just to be clear, but all the rest of the words, those were the original words? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess. In 1881, Gilbert and Sullivan's manager, Richard Oily Cart, built the Savoy Theatre in London to showcase the dynamic duo's operas. An interesting fact about the Savoy is that it was the first public building in the world to be lit entirely by What?
3: Electric lights. That is It was cool. the very first building ever to have electric lights. It was actually, technically, it's doily cart doily rather cart? than oily cart. Oh, Richard. I'm sure the oily cart was what his enemies called him. <laughs> oh, yes, there's oily cart. cart. <laughs> doily cart.
0: Doily doily right, that cart, sounds yeah. much more... Posh. Po- yeah, right, upper crust. Oily cart sounds like, yeah, he wasn't doing so well. Yeah,
3: you'd sort of want to wipe him off your shoes. <laughs>
0: William Rehnquist, the former Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, was a big Gilbert and Sullivan fan, and in 1995, he added four gold stripes to the sleeves of his judge robe. I didn't know you could just do that, (laughs) but he was copying the costume of Lord Chancellor from a local production of what Gilbert and Sullivan? Iolanthe. Exactly, yes. Is that a favorite?
3: Actually, yes, Iolanthi was my favourite. I- Iolanthi was the one that-, that sort of hooked me on the whole Gilbert and sullivan thing because when I was about three years old, my Aunt Diane took me to a production of Iolanthi. And it's a very peculiar story in which um, essentially fairies invade the House of Lords and eventually all of the House of Lords sprout wings and fly off with the fairies. And I couldn't really understand what lords were for, but I got the fairies all right.
4: LAUGHTER
3: Alright, this is your
1: last clue uh, Perhaps appropriately for a Neil Gaiman quiz This song is known as the Lord Chancellor's Nightmare uh, And uh, it's written for an orchestra And I'm about to play it on the acoustic guitar <laughs> So even if you get it wrong People will be distracted by the horrible train wreck That is about to happen Just to make you feel comfortable I'm going to make a lot of mistakes
3: Here we go That's really, really nice of you i just trying to be kind you're a
4: regular wreck with a crick in your neck, and no wonder you snore for your heads on the floor, and you've needles and pins from your soles to your shins, and your f- flesh is a creep, and your left leg's asleep, and you've crab in your toes, and a fly on your nose, and some fluff on your lung, and a feverish tongue, and a thirst that's intense in a general sense that you haven't been sleeping in clover. But the darkness is past, and it's daylight at last, and the night has been long.
3: Ditto ditto
4: my song. And thank goodness mm.
3: they're both of them over.
1: Exactly
0: right. It's over. It's over. You did it. Congratulations, Neil Gaiman. I live. You have won. You live.
3: And does the nice lady get her t shirt?
0: The nice lady gets yes. it. Yes. Yes, she gets it. To oh. Ask me another anagram t shirt.
1: All right, this is a song called uh, Creepy Doll. This is a song of mine. It is about a doll that is creepy. We're only going to do a little bit of it, but to make it extra creepy, we're going to have Neil Gaiman read the lyrics aloud instead of me singing it. In a creepy way. In a creepy way.
3: In a town in the woods at the top of a hill, there's a house where no one lives, so you take a big bag of your big city money there and you buy it, but at night when the house is dark and you're all alone, there's a noise upstairs, at the top of the stairs there's a door and you take a deep breath and try it, and the flashlight shows you something moving just inside the door. There's a tattered dress, and a feeling you have felt somewhere before.
4: There's a creepy doll that always follows you, it's got a ruined eye, it's always open. And there's a creepy doll that always follows you, it's got a pretty mouth, swallow you
0: Neil Gaiman Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion let's bring back from 300 Spartans can't be wrong Bridget Oliviri from Something Borrowed Julia Schultz from Heroic Tunes Brendan Gillett from One Letter Away from Fame Ken Rosin and from Fictional Illnesses, Casey Zachroff. Our puzzle guru,
5: Art Chung, will tell us about what's in store for the final round. Thanks, Zofira. They call New York, New York. The city's so nice, they named it twice. And that's the theme for this round. All the answers will be phrases that feature repeated words or names. So for example, if I said it's a classic rock song made famous by the Kingsmen with hard-to-understand lyrics, you'd say Louie Louie, or Louie Louie, depending. We're playing the Spelling Bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You only have a few seconds to give me that answer. The last person standing is our Ask to Be Another grand winner. And your prize will be that jar of award-winning honey from the award-winning Neil Gaiman. Here we go. Bridget, if you want to talk turkey, you might want to make this sound.
2: Gobble gobble.
5: That's right. Julia, the typical response to this two-word joke phrase is, who's there? Knock knock. Who's there? Knock knock. Correct. <laughs> Brendan. It's a sweet treat whose French to English translation would be good, good. Bon bon. That's right. Ken. It's a leggy dance perhaps seen at the Moulin Rouge. Can can. Can can is correct. Casey. This film stars Jim Carrey as a lawyer who has a problem controlling the words coming out of his mouth. Liar, liar. That's right. We're back to Bridget. Bridget, the odds that flipping a coin will come up heads or tails. 50-50. 50-50 is correct. Julia, it's the longtime slogan of Little Caesar's restaurant chain. Cheese cheese. No, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Let's see if Brendan knows. Brendan, it's the longtime slogan of Little Caesar's.
1: Pizza pizza? That's
5: right. Thank you, Julia. Ken. Newsboys would yell this phrase, followed by, read all about it. Extra, extra. Extra, extra. You got it. Casey, this song was a hit for both Tommy James and the Shondells and Billy Idol. I don't know. You don't know. All right, let's step aside. Bridget, do you know the answer? No, I don't think so. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, step aside. We're going to go to Brendan.
1: You spin my head right round,
3: right round?
5: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's incorrect. Let's see. Ken, if you know the answer, you're our grand winner. Moni, Moni. Moni, Moni is correct. And
0: you are our Ask Me Another big winner. Enjoy your Neil Gaiman, honey. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And one more hand for our VIP, Neil Gaiman. And that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to be a contestant, find us on Facebook or Twitter. Just look around for NPR Ask Me Another, and you can be a puzzle player anytime, anyplace by downloading our podcast from iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagram. So you can new chart. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Now Jolta Cannon. With additional puzzle writing by Greg DiCostanzo, Eric Feinstein, Mark Halpin, David Israel, Roderick Kimball, Josiah Madigan, and Adam Markowitz. Ask Me Others produced by Jesse Baker. Jab Seekers. Josh Rogerson. So Jig Honors. Eleanor Kagan. And Orange Lake. Jess Miller. Gel Misers And our intern, Lauren Moon. Unmoral one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of names. Along with Portia robertson migas and Eric Newsom, we are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Kristen Moeller, and David Hurtkin. We'd like to thank New York Super Week. Weepy Nuke Workers. The 92nd Street Y. 29 Tire Dents. And our production partner, WNYC. C-Y-N-W. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. <laughs>
1: Support for this podcast comes from Angie's List, helping consumers take the guesswork out of hiring local service companies, with access to ratings and reviews, exclusive discounts, and service offers on plumbers, landscapers, HVAC professionals, house cleaners, and more. Now offering an updated app for iPhone and iPad to help consumers complete home maintenance and improvement projects from anywhere. And for our podcast listeners, there's a special 40% discount on the annual membership fees, Go to Angie'sList.com and use promo code NPR40 to get it. That's NPR40.
0: Next time on Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, comedian Hannibal Burris brags that he can do anything. Sell knives, wait tables, coach a youth basketball team. It's almost like live-action video games. <laughs> like,
2: hey, put your hands up
4: in his face. This is like Avatar with 7th and 8th graders. Join me, Ophira Eisberg, and
0: find out how Hannibal fares as our puzzle guru. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Ask Me Another. I'm glad you're still here. You know what podcast I love? Snap Judgment. With host, Glenn Washington. You know, we all have an instinct, a homing signal, and even when we try to ignore it, it drives us back to the place where everything got started. That is a Snap story, but with music underneath and kind of more rhythm. So check it out. They are stories that connect, captivate, and invite you to listen close. Just find Snap Judgment on iTunes under podcasts.